the next um, topic we're going to cover here is uh, managing the MCI from a first two EMS perspective. And I think the reason that at least I, I have a passion for it is because I don't think we do it very well, right? I will also say it's very hard to do it well, right? Studies from San Bernardino, studies from Aurora, Colorado, studies from Minneapolis, Minnesota, all of these places really, at the end of the day, are saying it is very difficult to do an MCI. There is no textbook way to do it. So all we are gonna cover today is very similar to what we just did with HPCPR, the overarching basic tenants and how we as individual EMS providers, regardless of um, certification, rank, EMS capabilities, whatnot, how we can truly, truly, like it says right here, how the first arriving EMS agency, entity, person, rig, can truly make or break an MCI. Even if you have the most tenured, experienced EMS provider who has dealt with MCIs before, they still are only one person. When you handle a cardiac arrest with eight people, it goes a lot easier because you can, you can grab people to do tasks. When you're trying to handle an MCI with, with crazy situations with four people or three people, it is initially chaos, and it will be. But how do we calm that chaos a little bit? We use this crazy matrix called the incident command system. We're gonna dive a little bit further into that, and this is like you know the 100 series lecture, you're just gonna wanna bang your head on the desk. But we'll make it a little bit, we'll spice things up as much as we can here. Where do we fit in? Where does EMS fit in? Um, with the deeper dive, we're gonna take the ops section and we're gonna, we're gonna you know, fill in our own blanks here and just pay, pay attention to our, our starred item here. So the medical branch, if we want to tear it down, we have a medical branch in parentheses here is what the leader of that is. So it's an ops section. The leader of the ops section is a chief, not a chief officer. So, you know, Leo doesn't have to find himself in that role. Jeremy could be the ops section chief if he's assigned that way by the incident commander. That's just the official title. Medical branch, the head of the medical branch is a director, but the reason I have the star next to our EMS or medical group, that is an, you know, you can change it from EMS group or medical group. Um, it's a group soup. You are a group supervisor. We'll talk about that in a second. Star there because the only time you need a medical branch is if your uh, uh, resources uh, in the realm of scalability increase to a point where you actually then need to um, work with a, a, a greater span of control. What is span of control? Three to seven, five is optimal. All right, great. So how many people typically, how many people roll out on Colchester's rig right now? You have, you have three people on the truck today, right? So Williston has on our, our first running card for an MCI, it's, it's three, uh, ambulances from the D3 matrix, which is, if we use CATS numbers right there, nine people, right? Um, is that outside the span of control for, for one person to handle? Not the way it's supposed to be set up, exactly. But if you're bringing in ambulances with, you know, even just two, but three, four, multiple ambulances, we need to start recognizing the fact that somebody who doesn't normally deal with, even incident commanders that normally deal with like their own entities, their own eight, you have a ladder. You have an engine and you have an ambulance, or you have two ambulances, or you have you know working that kind of thing. Somebody who doesn't normally deal with an MCI, it becomes incredibly easy to become overwhelmed. Holy cow! I've got people hailing me on channel two, channel one, channel sixteen. Do they even know what frequency to be calling me on? Uh, and what happens when you start doing this? You lose control. So how do we get back in control? We use our ICS system. Proper terminology and proper utilization of the MCI system 
we have ourselves an EMS group soup. Let's talk a little bit more about who's underneath that. Triage, treatment, and transport. Here is the joy about this map, right? When I, when I go back here, da, 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 whoop, this was chaos. This is like, stop. Just stop right there. I've taken that lecture. I've taken that class. I'm done with it. My mind is already ready to explode. And then all of a sudden we say, okay, now I'm here. I'm in my safe place, right? I am the EMS group supervisor. I can now handle things because I've got somebody above me, the incident commander. I'm the EMS group soup. Do I need a transport officer? Maybe not. Do I need a treatment officer? Maybe not. Because who, let's, let's even remove triage for a second. Who is, right now, who is this, this, and this, if I remove them from this matrix? The EMS group soup. And guess what? That might be OK. When Leo was up in the islands, he's thrown his vest on. He's the EMS group supervisor. And he is, in fact, either in charge of triage, or maybe he said, somebody just you send the car out there, triage things up a little bit, figure out what's going on. You know, Tony runs out there and does a quick assessment, very quick. He's, he's done his little triage bit, but he doesn't necessarily need to say, hey, uh, hey Prescott, I need you to triage this. You, you don't need to spin up that role unless you absolutely have to. That's why the joy of this is it is, it's scalable. Each person, so these three roles are under that group supervisor until that group soup says, I need to expand this. I am starting to feel a little bit out of control. I need to find somebody, some one person. Mo, you are now responsible for triage. You are, uh, you know, send it, talk to me on this radio frequency. We're going to jam out. Thank you for taking that off of my shoulders. So now, what I can do as the EMS group soup is work on looking to maybe set up a treatment area. Do we need a treatment area, or is it just organically occurring on the side of the road because that's the only place we can go? Do we need a transport person? Do I need to reach out to somebody to actually create that transport person? Or, or can I realistically handle the few ambulances that are coming in? If at any point you start to feel like, nope, this is getting a little bit, I'm trying to do too many things, people are asking me too many questions, that is when you can say, let's expand this a little bit. Let's, let's branch out a little bit beyond. I am no longer able to handle all of these responsibilities. We're going to create one of these or two of these, that kind of thing. Super fast, the five S's, straight from our EMS D3 plan. Um, safety and scene size up. We're not going to uh, uh, dive uh, too deep into it, but I want to talk about what situational awareness um, situational awareness matters. SA matters. It's a website. Hop on it if you've never uh, hopped on there. The guy who runs it. Um, oh my God! I'm forgetting his name. He's a goofy, goofy guy, um, but very smart. And at the end of the day, what he talks about is intuition and situational awareness, and and why as EMS providers, as firefighters, police officers, it is incredibly important to listen to that belly siren, that gut. Something doesn't feel right. You need to listen to that. You need to be aware of that. And then just at the end of the day, common sense falls uh, right into number two here. The windshield report versus a size up, it's a firefighting thing to some degree, but it, it shouldn't be pigeonholed into that. The windshield size up is when you first pull up and you're looking and you see a school bus off the side of the road with 25 kids roaming around. That's windshield size up. I am on the scene. I have a school bus on the side of the road with multiple potential patients. Great, it's, it's quick, it's easy, you didn't mention anything about MCI, you didn't mention green, you didn't mention anything beyond the fact that this is what I'm seeing literally from my windshield. 
The size up is often misconstrued. The size up is when you've gotten out of your rig, you've walked around the building, you've checked out the school bus, you, you, you had a chance to assess a little more detail, and then you jump on the radio and said, okay, this is indeed pretty crazy here. Most of them seem like they might be greens, but get me five additional ambulances. Get me this amount of additional resources. I'm gonna need a helicopter, something along those lines. The size up is a little more detailed. Uh, the send is notifying the hospital and establishing unified command. So um, notifying the hospital, we, we all, especially EMS agencies, I find are very, very proactive uh, about that. Um, when we first transitioned in Williston to the ambulance, we were terrible, just awful, like got, got you know, wrist slapped a bunch for that. But we've learned, we learned that the hospital would like to know about regular patient populations, much less the fact that they might have 10 people coming in their already overburdened ER. Uh, and then Unified Command, we'll talk briefly about that uh, down the road here, but um, somebody tell me what Unified Command is, if you can. But that's exactly what that is. The reason I say establish Unified Command is an MCI, whether it be a bus crashed on the side of the interstate or a fire at the elderly assisted living facility, whatever, you know, what have you, the smells and bells that actually turns into some type of hazardous materials, there will be police, yes, probably. There will be fire, yes, definitely. There will be EMS, for sure. Automatically, three agencies that do have a say at the table. Unified Command, if you have a chance to take a specific Unified Command class, not from the MS NFA, not playing, it's like they're actually very good, but just get the right instructor. Um, uh, establishing Unified Command is incredible. So everyone has their voice, and you have one place this is called the Incident Command Post. We have Unified Command at the Incident Command Post versus the cop that's running down that way radioing to tell his people X when you need to tell your people Y. You know, Mo and I were talking about vehicles in and out. How many times have you seen uh, you know, uh, hostile events where police just inundate the scene and you're like, that's great, except there's a white vehicle in the back there that probably is going to be very, very important in about 30 seconds that now has no room to go. Whereas if you have unified command early, 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 the first, doesn't need to be a sergeant, a lieutenant or whatever, the first police officer, um, <laughs> the first police officer and you being the, the EMT, the AEMT, the paramedic, have started that unified command. It will scale up from there. Obviously some, you know, eventually down the road, uh, you know, a, a big boss is gonna come and say, I've got this now, brisket, you can go over there and I'll say, You're, you've got it, it's all you, you take that. Setup stands for assigning roles. We're gonna talk about those roles in a second and where the GD vest. Are they a little bit obnoxious? Yes. Do they look ridiculous? Yes. But why do we wear them? Why? Somebody tell me why. This is easy, but why? That's the guy, that's the girl, that's the human who is in charge of whatever it says right here. And in an MCI, where do our brains go? In the toilets, they are Lizard, we go to Lizard at the structure fire that we haven't been to because we go to one a year, we suddenly get there like, my God, there's a fire. We revert instantly back to amoeba, right? So at, at this point, if we have a big red, orange, pink, whatever colored vest that says triage, well, guess what? That person is who I'm going to go to if I have any questions, comments, concerns, issues related to triage. We simplify this for ourselves. And then salt, uh, we'll, we'll dive into here in a second. All right, your EMS group soup. You're in charge, you grab the vest, you're having a really exciting time, okay? You're actually terrified. You've established unified command, you've, found, you've either found 
uh, the command post as somebody has created it, or odds are pretty good. Let's be reasonable here, friends. Odds are pretty good it hasn't been established yet because for whatever reason, and the reason I asked Leo the question about, you know, um, did the words come out about MCI or did anyone, you know, mutter anything related to vests or clipboards or whatever, you may be it, Leo. Leo was it for a long period of time, especially because by the time the recognition came through the whiteout that this was indeed pretty much a small scale MCI, it was, it was like, all right, we need, we need some help and we need, it, we need it now. Only now is 45 minutes down the road because for our Portis Point School uh, uh, hazmat situation, Charlotte is third due or fourth due or something like that. Um, my boy, Handy Fredericks, we're gonna reference him again real quick. As the first line goes, so goes the fire. One of our fire nerds in the room, what does that mean? What does Andy mean by that? Let's tip, skip over the slide. But Andy Fredericks, it relates to uh, um, the line that puts out the fire, right? If that first line that's going to put out the fire does a stupendous job, is placed properly, is the right size, has the, you know, enough water coming out of it, uh, the right people behind it, enough people behind it, it's going to set the tempo for the fire that eventually will go out and solve all the rest of our problems, in theory. So Leo nailed it, right? Oops. Uh, Leo nailed it, right? At, you know, transition into the MCI. If we play our cards right, we establish that unified command early, even if it is Leo putting on the multiple hats, grabbing the Grand Isle County Sheriff and saying, yo, you're with me just because we need to talk. You have a, another vehicle coming. I need it to go that way to do this for me, please. Sounds great. People are looking for things to do to help. The same is true not only for our civilian population, and we'll talk about that briefly, but for us as EMS providers, as police officers, as firefighters, we're looking for stuff to do. All right, we have realized that we do need a, a triage officer. We need somebody to get in there and start doing some of this global sorting. I love, love, love the walk, wave, and still because it, is, it, is, uh, it, it goes to that lizard brain. If we can literally plug into our brain and say, if we get unseen, and there is that bus crash in my windshield size up. I have a bus off the side of Interstate 89 with multiple potential patients and you get out and the first thing you do is say, if anyone can walk to me, then walk to me, right? You've instantly identified who can walk to you. Great, so you're, you're starting to check the box here. There's, nobody's mentioned colors, nobody's mentioned tags, nobody's mentioned anything. You just simply verbally made a statement. We actually put a bullhorn in our engine. Will it ever come out? I doubt it, I truly doubt it. But it's there for a reason, because if we need to get, you know, hop on the PA, on the ambulance, whatever it is, to get your walking wounded into, a, into one general area. We'll talk about a funny story about my first MCI and what that general area looked like. Wave, um, purposeful movement, right? So we're gonna hit the, the colors here for a second. Just, just, just checking some boxes here. We didn't mention colors, but if you, if you were to say, if somebody's able to cruise up to you when you say, yo, if you can walk, come, come here, come, 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 hide right by my engine right here, would you say they're probably maybe potentially green? There is some good potential. Let's just do broad brushstrokes here. They might be having an MI, they might be red, you're right. But like for right now, they're greens in my book. Our waves, our, 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 uh, our yellows potentially here. Do they have purposeful movement, but you know, they got a, a broken leg so they can't, or they're hobbling around. There's some level of assistance needed. Maybe they're really screaming at you, potentially, absolutely. And then finally, still if there's any obvious life threats, uh, if they're not responding to you at all, 
um, or, or their, their hauler now, actively hemorrhaging, things like that. We have just globally sorted people. We know that if, if somebody is not moving at all, but there's somebody screaming and bleeding all over the place, we have a decision to make, triage to sort, en français. Um, we've just globally sorted our population in a very short period of time. How long should we spend on each patient, do you think? Toss me any random number. 10, 30, a minute? Yeah. Less than 30, about 30 seconds is kind of where, kind of where we're thinking, right? So we want to be there just, just because that will allow us to stop and think. Um, you know, time will slow way down. 30 seconds is going to seem like three minutes when you're at an MCI. And that's the thing is we can train all day and every day, and I hope that some of that gets plugged into our brains. But when we go to lizard brain, you're going to need that physical contact. Prescott, I'm going to need you to go and triage. 30 seconds, here's some very quick reminders. You have a tourniquet. Use it to control bleeding. That's all you're going to be doing. You know, uh, we'll talk about the very few life-saving interventions we can do. But you're, you're, hello, my name is Prescott. I'm with the Wolfen Fire Department. Can I, uh, you know, what, what, what is the problem today? My arm's off, you know. I like what you're saying there because it's what's going to happen. We know that unless you rally people into the brain and say, nope, this is what we're dealing with here. What I'm going to say is this. Once we move on to step two, our, our, um, our assessment, our individual assessments, um, like Mike was talking about, we have this. I will admit, this looks a little bit chaotic. When we go to lizard brain, are we going to remember this? Are we going to follow this? Our smart people, contrary to what sometimes we're told. We are smart people in this room. So at the end of the day, if you don't do this exact algorithm. Do you think that uh, you know, Dan Wilson's going to come screaming down your neck? I, I don't think so. I think, I think Dr. Wilson's going to be pretty happy that we, we can remember is very basic tenets. If they are not breathing, right? If we, if we engage in these few, and I think I have a, but if we engage in these few life-saving interventions, controlling major hemorrhage with a tourniquet, Opening the airway, just repositioning is sometimes all that needs to happen. If it's a child, consider two rescue breaths. Needle decompression in, in some of our kits, uh, we actually have that ability for you fine folks in this room to, to do should you feel uh, the need. And then the auto-injector antidotes. Um, I don't think anyone carries your duodote um, necessarily. Um, but that is what we are able to do. If we find that we have done that, we reposition someone's airway, and they are still not breathing. We're probably 15, maybe even 20 seconds into that. We've repositioned the airway. Things aren't looking really good. We have to move on. That's going to be the single hardest thing. You have to move on. I'll try to send it to you guys. There's an incredible account. I referenced it a number of times, the San Bernardino shooting that occurred in multiple different locations. They talk about the SWAT medic who was first on scene, first having to truly triage and what he was using to triage, but also it talks about his mentality. The fact that he walked in and saw something he, even as a SWAT medic, he never expected to see. His mentality really was, it, it, twitched to his, it triggered back into his training, where he instantly said, I have a job to do. I cannot take more time. I think he ended up using literally like a marker on the forehead, right? We're not doing a, a, a tag or anything. He just had the, the first thing he did is what he ended up using. The last thing I'm going to say about this, cue cards. Colchester has this neat clipboard that actually has a job action sheet listed from the D3 uh, uh, MCI protocols. Uh, so it's a job aid that when you go to Lizard Brain, you can actually say, I'm now the treatment officer. What the heck does that mean? 
but a quick job aid that I've been looking to, to, to learn more about that we can, I don't know if any of you do this, and I'd like, love to hear feedback if you do, take something small, even smaller than this, you know, the little right in the rain pad, something even that size, and put really the most basic information. So when, when I walk up and say, Jeremy, you're, uh, you're in charge of triage, here you go, good luck. It's not a blank sheet that Jeremy's like, mother. I don't really remember. I remember some of it, 30 and two, whatever, right? But maybe uh, the cue card that actually will bring us away from lizard brain, rally us to what we actually need to be remembering. So then we can actually achieve that 30 seconds or less. Finally, we've done some triage, okay? We need to move from triage somewhere. And in many of these MCIs that we've talked about, e either in the state of Vermont or nationally, that's where we stop. We're like, oh, great. They, they did some, some, some color metric, you know, treasuring, and things are great, uh, and that's where we sort of stop the studies. Well, what happens next for treatment and or transport? Where does treatment occur? In the treatment area. Where's the treatment area? Where we, yeah, where we, where we make it, somewhere obviously pretty close by for ease of transport. We're not gonna be able to, you know, drag people as, 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 close, as, we, uh, as close as we want. I have a really important slide coming up, I think, here. Um, Triage is not treatment. Mike said it, triage is not treatment. The reason that I'm trying to make this point is it is so easy for us to go back to that. There is an area that we will create for treatment to occur. It's called a treatment area. Now I'm gonna tell you this very quick 30 second story. This is as long as it's gonna take you to triage somebody. One of my, I think the first MCI that I truly was a part of, I was on the engine and we pulled up and I was all excited because I'm like, oh, it's in my brain. I know what I'm doing. I'm a rock star. I, I've got my bag and I, I grab my bag and I come running out there and I set my bag down. I unzip it. I pull out the, I don't know, first tarp that I grab because it's, you know, why not? There's a tarp. Let's use it, right? I go running. It's a yellow tarp. And I go, Ooh. I put on my yellow tarp and I'm like, all right, all right. Uh, and the tarp's blown away. And I'm like, what? What else is in this bag that I can use here? There's a black tarp. I don't need that, but maybe I'll. I instantly went to just what was in my bag, what, what is in there that I can grab and begin to potentially use instead of going to the basics and saying, let's triage first. Let's figure out who is actually injured before I start creating a treatment zone. The hazmat scene anyway, which was something I should not have done. But what can we do? What on earth can we do? Does anyone carry, and you don't have to, I'm not trying to pick on individual squads or anything, but does anyone carry like individualized go bags that have, for example, like a tourniquet, a needle decompression, a, 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 a pocket mask, some paper, or just like really something pretty small, enough for one or two people, or maybe even a little broader, like five or six people kind of thing? Which is great. It's great because odds are pretty good, depending on what level of MCI you're dealing with, that's probably what we're gonna be using. Um, but this is what we can absolutely do. So the reason it's nice to have that go bag with just this in it is because then when you pull a press guide and you open up your bag, you're like, oh, what can I use? A yellow tarp is not gonna be one of those things. So you'll be a little bit ahead of the game just by proxy. All right, what is this blue thing here? Uh, who said it? A funnel, right? Somebody said it, a funnel. It's a funnel, it looks like a funnel. It looks like a strange funnel, the Google image funnel. Um, why do I have that up there? What's important about uh, the treatment area? It's adjacent to your, where you're triaging people. You want to literally funnel your people in. So how on earth are we going to funnel people in, right? I attempted a tarp, it worked like crap. We can cordon off areas for, for actual treatment so there is one way in and one way out. And that one, there, 
Um, that's very important because you need to triage people first, but then before you start sending them anywhere, you really should begin to think about where that area is going to be. I already said, hop on the PA. If you can walk, come towards this big red fire truck, this big white ambulance, that's a great way to take care of your green walking wounded. Well, maybe by proxy, just by doing that, you have started creating your adjacent treatment area. Use what you've got. The hazmat scene that we had there that I was talking about where I totally messed things up was um, there's a fence and there was a, an entry into this business. Well, great. There's our funnel right there. The triage area was on one side of the fence. The treatment area was on the other side of the fence. And just, uh, there was some green space and a curb. That curb and the road became the transport area. It very much organically worked out. It won't always work out. But if, it, if you have that ability to use the geographic area to your advantage, nail it, do it. These are two tangents. Ambulances uh, don't communicate with hospitals. The transport officer does. Or again, if it's not scaled up to having a transport officer, the, uh, who, who would do it if there's no transport officer? Who's in charge of that? The group soup, exactly, the EMS supervisor. Um, that's just an important thing because what would happen if every, every one of the 10 ambulances we have spinning up to our MCI are, are hailing UVMMC on, on here one? They're going to... I think it's crazy. But in the realm of Michael, keep grounding somebody to say, hey, 30 seconds, 30 seconds, that's it. The same level of, hey, I got it. I will be reaching out to let UVMMC know that they've got two reds and a green coming, or two reds and two yellow, whatever, that kind of thing. But that is a great reminder. And then the realistic level of documentation, we want to do as much as we can with the time constraints that we have. The tags are meant to be our friend for either the rip and stick kind of thing, um, but the realism, right, what I have experienced is that the level of documentation will not include a name or DOB. We can get that down the road from the transporting ambulance because they will have had a little more time to hopefully obtain that. But the realism of documentation in the heat of the moment, pun intended to some degree, is you're going to know that we are sending five reds, three yellows, and the greens are going POV or, or cop car, something along those lines. That is the realism of where documentation will probably land. This was the San Bernardino shooting that occurred in, in multiple different areas. There was the, um, uh, this is uh, a demonstration. They, of course, have the resources in many cases to be able to spin something like this up. But they were utilizing, you know, th th is, does this tarp have any color associated with it? No. There's a bunch of people. There's a bunch of ambulance. They're wearing vests. And what are these right here? <laughs> the ways to hold the tarp down. They're also... Uh, uh, if this is our if this is our entrance and exit point, right? We have our, our um, you know our, our beautiful treatment area that we've spun up, uh, and the Prescott tarp actually is held down and works. You have a, a you know your entrance and your exit out to your ambulances. People people respond to cones. We follow cones every day of our life. There's a construction zone. It's got cones. We're gonna follow it wherever the cones want us to go. We're gonna go. They follow caution tape. There's a big roll of caution tape right here in this bag. Right there in the bag. That roll of caution tape. People will listen to it. People will be generally guided by that, right? If they're freaking out and losing their mind, they very well might not. But I don't think in the, you know, and what I hope is not ripping through a bunch of caution tape. They follow cones. They follow caution tape barriers. They will be directed by a big red truck that they can't get around or that we want to, you know, point them in a certain direction. Like San Bernardino, they aren't blocking necessarily, but they have formed a barrier that this very clearly demarcated area 
is where their treatment area is, at least the initial treatment area. Things we didn't cover. We didn't jump into individualized SOGs or SOPs. If you have them, that's excellent. If you don't have them, I would highly recommend at least looking into, there are, there are um, a bunch of recommended SOGs out there. It does not take long to find um, access to what other departments, agencies, entities have done for SOGs, SOPs as it relates to MCI. Um, we didn't detail into D3's MCI plan. Um, the Captain and I were chatting. There's definitely uh, edits and amalgamations that happen on a fairly regular basis, but a plan exists, which is better than nothing. Um, so if you, I, I would highly recommend hopping on D3's website. You have access to the plan um, and can at least dive a little bit deeper. We didn't cover hazmat MCI. We discussed it briefly about the fact that it adds a layer, um, uh, as does air operations, which for District 3 we didn't have until fairly recently. So that is something we absolutely should consider, especially when we're dealing with you know, a port-to-port -port scenario where the nearest ambulance is coming from Charlotte or something along those lines. Tips and tricks, things that help, things that are useful for us to, to talk about together for the last few minutes of my time with you folks here. Um, running cards, I had mentioned that, right? District Matrix spells it out for us. That's great. All we did in Williston is say we're going to take, uh, we're going to make basically three alarms worth of, of, uh, of ambulances. So three ambulances per alarm, if you will. You know, MCI level one, level two, level three, whatever. That's internal terminology, but all we did was steal it from the matrix. We now know with our ambulance is one, we are then getting nine additional ambulances. Level one column, level two column, level three column. Shelburne Dispatch, fortunately, is on board with that and is able to say, well, that's easy. I don't care what you call it. Just as long as I know I'm getting three ambulances on the matrix. Whether I get to Charlotte, Grand Isle, or Addison County, that doesn't really matter. I'm getting three additional ambulances. Common radio frequencies, it spells it out in the district MCI plan. We are bad at communication sometimes. We're bad. It, it, you know, it, what's crazy is a standard, you know, Essex calling a first response agency, Williston calling another ambulance or a fire truck, whatever. That's a regular call that we sometimes have issues on. Then spin this up and start telling somebody, oh, I've got communications with the hospital, so don't do what you're so used to doing. We have to reference the fact that when you have 10 ambulances coming from all over the place, perhaps using a V or U call or tactical frequency, which exists in all of our radios, is a very good option. Spells it out more in the D3 plan. Annual training, even if it's just a tabletop exercise, there's really, really neat things. Acting Chief Libby just did it for UVM Rescue. There's really neat and easy to do. Grab a coffee, sit down at the table for 20 minutes, and do your annual tabletop. Spin it up. We have some maps of Colchester High School. We were going to do a little car into a bleacher thing. It doesn't take terribly long to do. Individualized go bags. The reason I reference that is, um, if you have the ability to move away, you know, a big bag with this stuff is great because you need a place to have your vests and your clipboards and your reference points when you start actually spinning up like a unified command when the EMS group soup can start handing out triage, trans clipboards and whatnot. But if you have those individual, whether they're RTS or not, RTF or not, I love that uh, because those individualized bags is the wave of the future. You can send three people, you know, Tony, you're the triage officer, but you and your two comrades have got your individual go bags, send it, go, have a nice day. Instead of lugging around, um, I say that, it's, it's now backpacks, which is great, uh, but they're still not set up necessarily for what we need, which is our 30 seconds or fewer 
racing through the scene to get stuff done. Cue cards I already mentioned. What else? Frank Luscuso, my main man with the plan, deputy chief, retired, does a lot of really great motivational speaking. One of the things he says, which I love, is the best ideas have to win. They're not mine. They're not yours. They're not, you know, they are ours. 